The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. What were you doing at the docks? He asked us to take him there. Why? We don't know. Well, did you learn anything? Yes. He was hired to analyze the United States for vulnerabilities. He said he found a weakness in our economy, an unexpected linchpin that if someone went after it, let's start the dominoes falling. Falling toward what? The end of our country as we know it. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, July 14th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Wow, what a week it has been since our last broadcast. Like many other Canadians, I was one of the direct victims of the Rogers Services disruption, which occurred on a day that my grandkids were having a sleepover, and to which they reacted by saying, well, it's better than the power going off. (laughs) No argument there. But you know, when I got up on Friday morning to go online to get my day's email and other updates, All I got was no service available on my screen. So then I immediately went to my iPhone to check if I could get a connection. And once again, I got a no service available notice. Not just no internet, but no phone. Now I should point out that my internet connection on my computer is a landline bell connection with an independent private service provider. My cell phone, on the other hand, is through a Rogers connection. So when I saw that both of them were out, well, you can imagine what I might have been imagining. So I turned on my AM radio to see what was going on, and it was there that I learned about the Rogers service interruption and that it was nationwide. I then tried to make a phone call out on my Bell landline phone, and sure enough, it was active. But every number I tried... (laughs) couldn't connect because apparently most of the people that I call are on the Rogers system. So I kept trying to call more people that I knew until I lucked out with Dave, (laughs) who answered his phone because he's on a TELUS service, not on Rogers. So I got an update from Dave as to what was happening, and thanks for that, Dave. (laughs) And just for the record, it wasn't just wireless services that were disrupted, but landline Rogers services also went down along with cable TV. Then, for some unexplained reason, my computer was again able to get online after being down only for a couple hours, but my cell phone remained useless for the balance of the day. Now, it's not the first time I've experienced a Rogers disruption, so at this point at least, (laughs) no conspiracy here, it appears. But for me, and I hope for others, the disruption served as a quick lesson as to how vulnerable we all were and will be. Once the Great Reset is implemented, and we're all chipped with ID passports and digital currency that can be turned on and off with a simple switch, or by a power failure, or by a programming error on a computer. You know, during that Rogers outage, people couldn't pay their bills, use their debit or credit cards, call emergency services, contact family or friends, go grocery shopping without cash, and a whole host of unintended consequences that could mean the difference between life and death in a given situation. Just follow the money, they say. 
Well, today the meaning of that phrase will take on an entirely different dimension from the one you might expect, one that may lead us to the root of what lies at the core of today's world crises, from COVID to Ukraine to currency collapses and inflation. And that is exactly the monetary dimension we will be walking into after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, I have to tell you, It was a real challenge for me to even try and pick out what I might consider the most significant event or issue of the past week that maybe should be commanding our attention for our discussion today. Like, I mean, where could we have started? In Japan, Shinzo Abe assassinated. In Britain, we see the resignation of Boris Johnson. Here in Canada, we find out that Tamara Leash and Pat King are still in jail. In fact, she was just sentenced back to jail again. These are 100% political prisoners, denied bail, and held in jail, while violent criminals get let go. Talk about clear and outrageous displays of corruption of the Canadian judicial system. Hey, and we've got the war in Ukraine, and the Russian threat of nuclear retaliation, although we did discuss a bit of that on last week's show. And of course, the riots that are worldwide and not being covered in the mainstream media. In Germany, in Italy, in France, did you see the Dutch protest against the climate change policies there? I mean, wow, these are all things we'll be talking about on some future show. And of course, there was Sri Lanka, where the government went bankrupt after following policies being imposed on the rest of the world, which is what's happening today. And the stolen U.S. election continues to be documented and demonstrated while Biden continues to display his dementia and his handlers keep promoting everything from poisoned injections to going to war in Ukraine. Death and injury rates of injected people continue to skyrocket. Our Toronto International Airport. Did you see what's happening there? Total chaos. Then we see a mass shooter on Independence Day, after which, of course, the media makes gun control the major issue. And, of course, the mass media, the fake news media, continues. (laughs) Elon Musk backs out on Twitter. And I have to ask, how many fake COVID variants have they invented so far? I mean, we had SARS-CoV-2, the Delta variant, the Omicron variant, the monkeypox, the Ninja variant. Yeah, Ninja, can you believe it? The Marburg virus, I don't even know what that is. And there are food shortages and financial collapse at our doorsteps. The Western world is in a state of lawlessness. There's no justice, and tyranny is the order of the day. And I could go on and on and on. So the big question is, what do all of these issues have in common? And it's this. They are all intentional, and they are planned by our own governments, politicians, bureaucrats, and private interests. All roads lead to injections, social credit passports, or VAX passports, whatever they want to call them, and to a new currency based on high-tech tracking of all individuals in the world through injected digital devices. 
you know, I wish I wish I could say all of this was just some kind of science fiction fantasy horror story, but it is instead a true political horror story, one that we have been warned about for literally decades, and it's happening today. And it's one of those warnings around which our show today will be focused. And with that statement, you might expect me to make all or some of the events I just reviewed the theme, the example, or topic of our show today. But that's not where we're going. Today, we're not dealing with all of the distractions because to understand all of those issues and more about what is happening in the world today, we have to understand the nature of the people behind these crimes against humanity. And to that end, I will now share with you what has possibly been the single most disturbing and compelling discussion about our world events today that I have heard in a long, long time. And you know, it's not like I haven't heard or even discussed any of the issues raised in this discussion on the show before. But here's what it's all about. Back on June 8th, just a little over a month ago, Alex Jones reposted a 2007 interview, now that's 15 years ago, that he conducted with, of all people, a movie producer and director named Aaron Russo. Now, I, I was never really aware of the guy before, although one of the movies he produced, as I understand, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Jamie Lee Curtis, was a longtime favorite of mine. But I wouldn't have really remembered who produced or, or directed it. So, you know, I had to ask myself, what can someone who's just a movie producer possibly offer that might be so impacting on the world crisis today? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> because it's not so much about Russo himself, although he did run for governor of Nevada, but about the people he knew personally and befriended, including one of the Rockefellers. And what he learned from him is simply chilling. But that's not the only thing that makes this 2007 conversation so significant in the year 2022. The original conversation between Alex Jones and Aaron Russo was a long one, encompassing many more topics than what I've selected for our show today. And by the way, I heartily recommend you watch it in its entirety. It's called an Infowar film titled Reflections and Warnings. Aaron Russo Interview 2007, and all of our audio bites for today's show are drawn from that single conversation. Now here's the thing we have to keep in mind while listening to our audio bites today. Aaron Russo died not long after that 2007 interview was recorded. So consider this during the course of today's show. At the time of Russo's interview, he had never even considered that someone like Donald Trump could become president. He had no knowledge of COVID or coronaviruses. He knew nothing about any pandemic or mandated injections. He knew nothing of events in Ukraine. And he knew nothing about any possible stolen elections or of the utterly horrifying Great Reset and the deliberate political efforts to destroy the economy that are going on in 2022. Or did he? Because he did know about just how evil politicians and corrupt police and corrupt courts rule the country. And how he learned that eye-opening lesson is how the conversation begins. Award-winning filmmaker turned freedom fighter, Aaron Russo was an amazing individual. You know, he'd been battling cancer for more than three and a half years when he began making America Freedom to Fascism that he shot, directed, edited pretty much on his own with just the help of a few people. An amazing individual. A long life of award-winning films, of hard work, and for standing up for the Bill of Rights and Constitution. 
I became very, I'm, I've always been a very independent person, always believed in individuality, and that we were put on this earth to be uh, unique individuals to fulfill our God-given potential, and that uh, the only way to fulfill your potential is to be free, to find out who you are, and to make your errors, to make mistakes. And as I, as, uh, I grew up, I began to realize more and more the government was inhibiting me in things that I wanted to do. And then I opened up a, um, a nightclub in Chicago called the Electric Theater. And I was having a concert at my club one night to raise money. And uh, the police uh, raided the nightclub, my club for no reason at all. And uh, I was standing outside my, in my office looking, overlooking the street. And I saw all these paddy wagons pulling up in front of my club. And I was a 24-year-old kid. You know, I had no experience at all, really. I said, what are these paddy wagons doing here? And then I saw all these cops getting out of the paddy wagons coming into my club. I said, oh my God, they're raiding me. And so uh, I ran down to the stage and I got on the stage and I stopped the band from playing. And I said to the people in the audience, we're being raided, you know, so uh, sit down on the floor, cooperate, you know, you know, and uh, uh, plot your identification and cooperate with the police. And as I said that, uh, two of the cops from behind threw me onto the floor and grabbed me and, and started dragging me out of the club. Uh, and uh, I'm going, you know, victory, victory, you know, I'm playing it for all it was worth at the time. I was a kid. And, uh, uh, and then I saw the fire department there. And the fire department was dumping garbage cans, the garbage all over the floor. And I thought to myself, well, why are they doing that? You know, very quickly as, I was as they were dragging me out. And I didn't quite understand it. So they threw me into the paddy wagon. As I got into the paddy wagon, one of the cops grabbed my testicles from behind and squeezed. And I went into the paddy wagon in gigantic pain. And uh, the next person that came into the paddy wagon, the cop, as he was stepping in, the cops took the billy club, smashed him on the head with it, and just split his skull, you know, for no reason. I mean, there was nothing wrong. So that was kind of your awakening. That was my awakening. It's like, what is going on? I thought this was America. So I initially blamed it on Chicago and Mayor Daly. Think it was just that it was, it was Chicago. And anyway, I went on the. I went. It was the headlines of the newspapers the next day. You know, there was my picture in the newspapers. The headlines: Electric Theater short circuited. It was raided. And in the article, uh, they went ahead and they said that uh, the reason they raided the club was because the fire department came there and saw it was messy, full of garbage, and the hippies started attacking them, which was totally not true. Those dirty hippies? Yeah, it was totally false. You know, it was, it was a complete fabrication. So they ran a false flag on you. They yeah, you. Yeah, they, of course. You know, and uh, I was in shock. I said, people lie like that? People actually do these things? I couldn't believe it. You know, it was like, it was an awakening to me. And I went on television, I told people on television that they lied. Nobody cared. Nobody cared what the truth was. You know, it was shocking to me. Um, and then a, 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 week or, a week or two weeks later, I forget exactly what it was, uh, two, two cops come to see me, a lieutenant and a, and a sergeant, a captain and a sergeant. And they said, Mr. Russo, we're sorry if you got hurt that night at the club and the raid, but... Uh, we're here to tell you that if you want to keep the club open, it's going to take uh, $2,000 a month, and we're going to come see you once a month, and whenever we have to raid you, we're going to call you, you know, and we'll let you know we're going to come in tonight and raid you. This was mafia. Uh, well, the police mafia, yeah. you know, 
And uh, actually, it was actually actually more interesting than that. They said, listen, there's the A plan, there's the B plan, and there's the super deluxe plan. And this one will cost you, each one will cost you that much money a month. Which one do you want? What was I, the super deluxe? That's the one I took. That was a 2000 a month plan. And I took that plan, and um, I paid them $2,000 a month, and they left me alone. And whenever they were going to raid the club, they would come there, we're going to raid, we're going to have a phony raid tonight, you know, just to look good for the people in the neighborhood, you know. So that was your first big education? That was my education into corruption in government, you know. But I really thought that was basically Chicago. I didn't realize it was the whole country was like that. And so that was my wake-up call, that people lie and cheat and steal. And uh, I thought everybody was always honest and nice and decent and... Uh, I had no idea about any of these things. Well, what happened with me was that they, finally one day they came to me and they said, look, we, we, we can't take your money anymore. I said, why, what's up? What's going on? I said, we have to close your club. This election's coming and the aldermen, the neighbor, don't want you open anymore. So we can't take your money. So I had to go to court and fight them and they were trying to close the club. And then one night there was a fire and the club never reopened again. It was, they, the club just closed and that was the end of the club. And they, they, they burned me down. And that, that was the end of my experience. And then I moved back to New York, where I met Bette Midler, and uh, I uh, ran into her at a little uh, nightclub she was playing called The Improv, and I thought she was fabulous. And through a series of events, I began managing her. And as soon as I started managing her, her career took off like a rocket. You know, it was just fort fortuitous, I guess. And um, uh, we became very, very successful. And through managing Bet, I started producing shows on Broadway where I won the Tony, and I produced a television show where I won the Emmy with Dustin Hoffman and Bet, you know. And then uh, I produced The Rose for her, where she got Academy Award nominations. And then that led me to producing Trading Places, which everybody knows. You know, I think it's the best Eddie Murphy movie. Well, it's a good one. I don't know if it's the best, but it's a really good one. And I'm very proud I made that movie. And so, in, in my mind. Um, I feel as if I've made a classic comedy in Trading Places, a classic musical in The Rose, and a classic documentary in Freedom to Fascism. You know, so I'm very proud of my work that I've done as a filmmaker. I think the importance of life is to like yourself. If you don't like yourself, nothing means anything. To like yourself means you have to respect yourself. To respect yourself means you have to take actions that you respect if somebody else did them. And what's the point of living if you don't like who you are? You can have all the money in the world, and if you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see there, what's the point of it? So I, to me, the most important thing is that I like who I am and that I take actions that I would respect if somebody else did them. That you live a life of character, honesty, truthfulness. And I believe that a person has the ability to mold their character like a sculptor can mold a piece of clay. You know, there's no saying that a leopard never changes its spots. I don't believe that. I believe people have the total ability to mold their character into what they choose to be in their life, what their ideals are. And that's what I try to do with my life. I am not the same person today I was as I was 30 years ago. I've changed a lot because I wanted to be something better than what I was before. And my philosophy is that you have to like yourself, you have to be a decent person with character and integrity and honor. And that's what's important. Back in, uh, in the late 80s, I was a pretty big silver trader. 
and gold trader. And uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on tape before. Uh, I was a pretty big silver and gold trader. And um, the, uh, I took, and I always paid my taxes, and I took what was a legal tax deduction on my silver trades. And uh, a few years later, I think it was 88 or 89 or something, the uh, IRS claimed that what I did, and other people did as well, was now illegal. We couldn't do it anymore. But they made it retroactive. I said, what do you mean retroactive? It was legal then. We do, I did what was legal. I said, yeah, but it's now we're making it illegal retroactively. And you, it, that's not good. So you owe us six hundred dollars or $800,000. For what? It was legal. How could you make something retroactive? Change the law backwards in time. It makes no sense. Well, we're doing it. And so everybody said they can't do that. So we went to court, a class action lawsuit. And the judge agreed with the IRS and said they could do it retroactively. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong in America with the IRS and the system here. And that's when I realized America is not America. It's not the land that I was taught it was. Because they can do whatever they wish to do. And there's nothing the citizen can do about it. You don't advise people to not pay. And I do the same thing. People say, well, wait, you're saying it's a scam, but you're saying go ahead and pay it. And I like the way you summed it up. Well, it's really fairly simple. I mean, uh, since making that movie, you know, many people come to me and ask me whether they should pay their income taxes or not, you know, and I never advise people not to pay. And the reason I, I tell them, I say, look, I've done a lot of research. There isn't, the Supreme Court has ruled that the IRS has no authority. The 16th Amendment did not give the IRS the authority to tax your labor and your wages. That's a fact, all right? The Supreme Court is the law of the land, you know? And, and, the, and the IRS does not trump the Supreme Court. However, that being the case, the fact is if the mafia would come to you and say, we want $2,000 a month that we're going to hurt you, I would not advise you not to pay them because you may get hurt by not paying them. Whether it's legal or not doesn't necessarily matter. You're going to get hurt if you don't. It's the same thing with the IRS. They can hurt you. They can put you in jail. They can torture you. So if you don't pay them, you may get hurt. So I never advise people not to pay, you know? I tell people, yeah, pay your taxes. Look what happened to Congressman Hansen. Yeah, Congressman Hansen's a great example. Pay your taxes, but you know what? Shut down the Federal Reserve System, and eventually you won't have to pay those taxes anymore. See, the, the, the IRS is a symptom of the problem. The real problem the, is the banking industry and the bankers in this country. That's where the real problem lies. That's the root of our problem. Well, that's why we've lost America, okay? So yeah, pay your taxes, because if you don't pay them, you might get hurt. And I've heard all the arguments, you know, uh, how, what tax protesters say and so on and so forth. And I don't call them tax protesters. I call them the tax honesty movement, because they're being honest, you know, at least. But the fact of the matter is, you, you're being forced, you're being compelled to pay it because you're facing jail sentences, you're facing time, you're facing corruption of the courts if you don't pay, right? And so you pay it, because you just like you'd pay the mafia. But with the mafia, at least you have the government to call and try and help you to get past the mafia, to protect you. Here you have nobody to protect you. It's amazing how many people over the years have contacted me in my capacity with the Freedom Party of Ontario to ask if I am aware that income taxes are illegal, along with a whole host of other economic and constitutional improprieties. And I am aware. 
as is Freedom Party of Ontario leader Paul McKeever, whom I recall appeared on a TV panel discussion hosted by Michael Corrin with other investment and tax experts who all agreed that technically income tax in Canada is not legal. It was no different from what we just heard from Russo. But governments operate on convention, that is, established practices that have simply been accepted in lieu of any other considerations, including the law, apparently. And I recall Paul on that show pretty much confirming what we just heard Aaron Rousseau say about paying your taxes. So Canada is no different than the United States in this regard. In the Canadian province of Ontario, for example, income taxes weren't even a thing until the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party introduced them to pay for their communist health care monopoly that they established in the late 1960s. And in the process, they utterly destroyed the perfectly healthy sick care system that was already functioning and working fine with over 93% of Ontarians having been covered by adequate health insurance. Now, this may just be history, but it's also the state monopoly on health care that was the original excuse for locking us down and mandating ridiculous social distancing rules and submissive masking regulations. Flatten the curve, remember? But the real curve that needs flattening is society's current moral curve, which is steering itself off a cliff into self-destruction. People lie like that? People actually do these things? It was an awakening, and nobody cared. It was shocking to me, said Rousseau. Now multiply his experience by the number of municipal governments, provincial and state governments, and of course, federal governments across the entire continent, and you'll begin to see the magnitude of the moral crisis in which Western nations now find themselves. And when Rousseau said that nobody cared... I don't think that's entirely the reality of the situation. It's clear that those who don't care are always the usual crowd of leftists, from the fake news media to the politicians and crony interests being given a license to steal from the honest people in society. The state protection racket is one based on protecting their favored cronies from competition. Thus it has always been, and it's long past the time that this chain of corruption is broken because honest people do care. But here's their dilemma. Through what means or mechanism can they possibly express their concerns? Take a look at Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy's most peaceful protest the world had ever seen. How did the Canadian government respond to their concerns? Through violence, threats, intimidations, outright lies, confiscating their property and seizing bank accounts. And the persecution of those involved with the convoy continues to this very day. And when Rousseau described how the police raided his private peaceful establishment, beat and harassed innocent people, planted false evidence, and even had the fake news media report the event as a hippie takeover, geez, well, I was seeing the whole Ottawa convoy situation all over again. The the, the American people are living in a matrix. They don't understand the truth of how things are working in this country, you know. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The very fact is that if you, if you ask 100 people on the street, what kind of government is America supposed to be? 99% of them will tell you a democracy. America is supposed to be a democracy. But that's a lie. That's an illusion. 
The word democracy is not written into the Constitution at one time. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. The Founding Fathers hated the idea of a democracy. They thought it was the worst form of government there is. And I agree with them. Because in a democracy, 51% of the people control 49% of the people. If you're part of the 49%, you're not free. America was founded as a constitutional republic. And in that constitutional republic that we have, 99% of the people can't take away the rights of 1%. You have your rights because you were born with them. You have God-given human rights that nobody can take away from you. The government, the majority, no matter who they are, I can't take away your rights. And that's what, that's, that's what our founding fathers gave us. But the psychological operations that they, they do to us, they make us believe that we're a democracy and that majority rules, you see? And they want you to believe that. Because then they tell you, this poll says, this many want this, and this many want that, and this many want this, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Well, Hitler was elected. Hitler was elected. Hitler did everything legally. But you ask the most intelligent people, what form of government America is supposed to be? They'll say a democracy. Because that's what, that's what they've been brainwashed. They've been psyoped into believing that. They believe that we're in Iraq. They believe we're in Iraq to promote democracy. The word democracy... You hear George Bush saying democracy means freedom. No, democracy equals new world order. Democracy equals slavery. The word democracy is not synonymous with freedom. It's the opposite of freedom. Democracy is the worst form of government you can have because it's majority rule. And the government can tell you exactly what they want to tell you to do. Because the majority wants it. I don't care what the majority wants. I live my life as I choose. And if I don't commit violence, theft, or fraud against another human being, I can live my life as I wish. That's my choice. And if I'm allowed to make mistakes, because when you make mistakes, you learn from them. You grow as a human being. We're put on this earth to become the best individuals we can be, to fulfill our God-given potential. Right? We're not here to put on this earth so that the government can tell us how to live our lives and what we must do. We put into these systems and these paradigms. No. The same thing in health. You, you know, if you're sick, you have to have a certain protocol. Nonsense. You know, be individuals. Think for yourself. Have critical thinking, you know. And so what's happened is that because they've taught everybody that we're a democracy, which is not true, now, so then in 1913, they bring the Federal Reserve System into being, right? And now you have this Federal Reserve System, which then in 1913 got the right to create money for the government, when before that, the government created its own money. Now, now the government, when it needed money, had to borrow it from this private bank called the Federal Reserve, which is a private bank owned by individuals, incorporated in Delaware. And so um, what happens is now the government borrows money from them to fund the government. Then the government says, well, we have to pay these people interest. How are we going to pay them interest? Let's impose a tax on the labor of the American people, which never existed before, to pay the interest to the bankers. In fact, in 1980, Ronald Reagan said not one red cent uh, of your income tax money goes to run the country. It all goes to the Federal Reserve. Well, it, go, what the, it was the Grace Commission report that said that uh, all the, not one nickel goes to the infrastructure of the country. You know? Uh, I guess Reagan quoted that. Then, right. So. And so... Um, but the point, the, point I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that by creating this Federal Reserve System, 
the government now became dependent on these private banks for money. And they started take, taxing us, you see. And so now, now what happens is that um, in 35, I believe it was, Social Security started. And they gave Social Security cards, said not to be used for identification, the Social Security number right on the card, right? And through Social Security, they started deducting money out of your, out of your paycheck. That was the first time they were ever take, could take money out of your paycheck because people agreed to it because they thought it was going to the retirement fund. And so then when they instituted the income tax again, they started taking money out of your paycheck because Social Security could do it. And then, then they could do it again. You see what I'm saying? And so now they've even taken control of the tax, the, the tax payment itself. I mean, literally like you're a slave, they're right. taking it right there when you make it. Exactly. They don't even trust the public enough to, to go send them a check. Themselves. Right. So they take it out automatically because they know people aren't going to want to pay it. So what's happened is that through the implementation of the Federal Reserve System, the government has become uh, vested in these bankers and they get their money from the bankers. And so then they impose a tax on us, which makes us more slaves, makes it more difficult for us to survive, right? Giving them more profits. And now what's happened is that uh, through the, the, the Federal Reserve System, the bankers have pretty much taken control of our government. It doesn't matter Republican and Democrat anymore because they're both the same. Neither one of them are talking about shutting down the Federal Reserve System or stopping the payment of taxes, you know, uh, or any of the big issues that face Americans, right? So uh, I had a friend, Nick Rockefeller, okay, who was one of the Rockefeller family, and he, uh, uh, when I was running for governor in Nevada, he came to me, introduced himself to me through an attorney, and uh, we became friends. We started talking about things, and um, I learned an awful lot from Mr. Rockefeller. And one of the things that we used to talk about we used to talk about was the ultimate plan of the banking industry, what they wanted to accomplish. And the goals of the uh, banking industry, not, not just the Federal Reserve System, but the private banks in Germany and England, all over Italy, all over the world, they all work together. They're all central banks, and they're, and they're all part of the Communist Manifesto. You know, central banking is one of the major planks of the Communist Manifesto. We talk about America being a capitalistic country, but yet at the same time we have a central bank that plans everything for us, right? And the graduated income tax is another plank of the Communist Manifesto, right? So right there you have two major planks of the Communist Manifesto that have been brought in because of the Federal Reserve System, okay? So uh, the ultimate goal that these people have in mind is the goal to um, create a one world government run by the banking industry, run by the bankers. Where, and, and they're doing it in sections. The, the European currency, the euro, and, and the European constitution is one part of it. Now they're trying to do it in America with the North American Union, right? And they want to create a new currency called the Amero, right? And uh, the, whole, the, the whole agenda is to create a one world government where everybody has an, R, R, an RFID chip implanted in them all money is to be um, in those chips, right? There'll be no more cash. And this is giving me straight from Rockefeller himself. This is what they want to accomplish. And all money will be in your chips. And so, any, so not, instead of having cash, anytime you have money in your, in your, in your chip, 
they can take out whatever they want to take out whenever they want to. If they say you owe us this much money in taxes, they just deduct it out of your chip digitally. Total control. Total control. And if you're like me or you, and you're protesting what they're doing, they can just turn off your chip. And you have nothing. You can't buy food. You can't do anything. It's total control of the people. And that chip's connected to a database that has your purchasing records, what you do. What everything. You sell. Everything is in there. You know? And so they, they want a one world government controlled by them, everybody being chipped, all your money in those chips, and they control the chips and they control people. And you become a slave, you become a serf to these people. That's their goal, that's their intentions. got 30% of the vote, you were having an effect, you, you, you made mad as hell, they knew that you'd started the Constitution Party, yeah. they knew that you were uh, somebody who was taking action and getting things done, you'd already made some big films, had a lot of other successes, right. so they were trying to recruit you. Now, I was definitely being recruited, but it's more subtle than that. Well, what it is, is I, remember, we were friends, and we used to have, he used to come to my house a lot, we'd have dinner, we'd talk. And he'd, he'd tell me about business investments, how you get involved in, you know, or they would help me with this business investment or that business investment. And was I interested in joining the Council on Foreign Relations? You know, I would have to get a letter to join them, but was I interested in that? And, uh, you know, just, uh, just stuff, you know, leading you on. And, and uh, I used to say to him that I never really did that because that wasn't where I was coming from. You know, as much as I like you, Nick, you know, your ways and my ways, we're, the, we're on the opposite side of the fence. You know, I don't believe in enslaving people, you know, and... Um, and he would come back with, oh, I do? Well, it would be more like, you it's know... It's better for them. Well, it's more like, you know, um, how do I put it? It was like, what do you care about them? What do you care about those people? What difference does it make to you? Take care of your own life. Do the best you can for you and your family. What do the rest of the people mean to you? They don't mean anything to you. They're just serfs, they're just people. What, why are you fighting for the people for? What, what is that about? The people are just, you know, the, the, they have to be ruled. They have, they have to be, you know, the, the Constitution, what, what you're standing for, is only for a few people. It's only a few individuals that can live that way. You know, and uh, we believe that it's best for society to be ruled by an elite people who uh, control everything. I used to say to them, what, what's the point of all this? You have all the money in the world you need. You have all the power you need. What's the point? You know, what's the end goal? And he said the end goal is to get everybody chipped, to control the whole society, to have the, to have the bankers, the, the elite people, you know, the bankers and some governor, controlling the world. And, and, and I said, do all the people in the Council on Foreign Relations believe this way you do? He said, no, no, no. You know, it, it, most of them believe they're doing the right thing. A lot of them believe it's better, it's better off being socialistic. You know, we have to convince people that capitalism, that socialism is really capitalism. Because America's becoming a socialist country. It's a communist country today. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And what you just heard about Rockefeller's attitude towards enslaving people, literally enslaving people, was the essence of evil. Something many of us have been calling, you know, sociopathic or psychopathic. 
And we're hearing the same attitude, that very same attitude from almost all of today's ruling class and politicians. I don't believe in enslaving people, says Rousseau. What do you care about them? What difference does it make to you? <laughs> you know, any human being would recognize that it makes a huge difference to every individual on the globe. The more the merrier. And forget about all this nonsense of world overpopulation. Not true. You know, I was reminded of the opener to our April 8, 2021 broadcast, which was taken from the movie The Last Train from Bombay, produced around, oh, 1949-51 area. In that scene, the protagonist confronts the elitist ruler of a jurisdiction in India, where the ruler plans to kill thousands of people to justify starting a civil war. You must be insane, says the hero, to which the elitist ruler pretty much responds, So what's your point? And then goes on to repeat exactly the what-do-you-care-about-them manifesto. This is, a, this is a phenomenon that has long been known and expressed in popular theater and, and all sorts of places throughout history. And to hear Rousseau in 2007 explicitly describe the agenda of everything we're seeing carried out today should no longer leave anyone in doubt as to the reality of the Great Reset and the intentions of the people behind it where everyone has an ID chip implanted in them, and all money will be in those chips. There will be no cash. The end goal is to get everyone chipped and to control the whole society. Sound familiar? Now, I hate to disagree with Rousseau on one point, and it's a big one, but America is a democracy. It's just that democracy does not mean majority rule, and it never did. That is the lie. But everything Rousseau said about the evils of majority rule is right on target. Democracies were never about 51% ruling the 49%. In fact, even in that example, it's not really the 51% ruling only 49%. The 51% is ruling 100% of the people. That's the point. It's just that in Rousseau's example, 49% apparently disagree with the 51%. That's what he's really saying. And to that extent, his point is well taken and valid. But in a democracy, quote-unquote, no one rules, quote-unquote, anyone. The people govern themselves. The concept of majority government was originally based on an entirely different principle from majority rule. Government of the majority meant that you had to reach the age of majority, the age of consent, before you could vote and participate in the government. Minors could not vote since they only had status and not rights, as we discussed with respect to the abortion issue earlier. Minors do not have the knowledge, the experience, or the responsibilities attached to individual rights. Which is exactly why leftist politicians everywhere always want to lower the voting age. This lack of knowledge, inexperience, and lack of individual responsibility is exactly what the leftist constituency is completely based on. Democracy merely means of the people. A government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It doesn't prescribe the specific form or mechanism of any such government, whether a constitutional republic or a constitutional monarchy or whatever. And majority rule is the exact opposite of majority government. It's a common misunderstanding. Yes, majority rule is the exact opposite of majority government. Capiche? Comprendez-vous? 
Verstehen Do you understand? Can you grok this? <laughs> and most importantly, are you beginning to see how critical and important language and definitions are? They form the very concepts that program the human mind and create our apprehension of the world. Now, here are some concepts that Rousseau got just right. Well, see, the whole thing is, is these people control the money, so they make all the rules. You understand? And, and they put whatever rules they want into effect. And the truth is, America has really become a socialist, communistic country. And nobody, everybody says it's a capitalistic country. It's not a capitalistic country. You know, how can it be capitalistic when you have a central bank? <laughs> That's the first, you can't, it can't be. You know, the it's money. It's a planned economy. It's a planned economy. It's, it's, it's a phony. If they want to create prosperity, they just print dollars. They just make dollars or put digits into the economy. And, they, and then now you have prosperity. You don't have real prosperity. You don't have real manufacturing. You just have, you just have money being injected in. It's an infusion of credit. Which only being, makes the government go into more debt. Into more debt. Fair Reserve is poison to our country. Of course it is. It's poison. Whoever makes the money makes the rules. Rothschild said that, and they make the money. Why are we allowing these private bankers to make the money for our country? It makes no sense. Why are we paying interest to these banks to make money for us when the government can do it itself without paying interest and without all that debt? There's no answer to that question, and it's the question no politician will raise. Everybody talks about America's debt, how much debt we're in. We're in debt because we have to borrow money. But we don't have to borrow money. They designed it so we go into debt. Exactly. We can create the money and back it by gold so, you have, so they can't create too much of it. So you don't have the inflation. And then do what the founding fathers gave us. But instead, the bankers make the money. They control the government. They buy the politicians. They tell us who gets into office. You have computer voting. That's a fraud. They do whatever they want to do to us. They do whatever they want to do to us. And it has to stop. They're very arrogant. They can do whatever they want to do. We have, and we, we've given these people the authority to create money out of thin air. And through that device, they control everything. And if you want to win the battle to stop that, you have to deny them the ability to create money. It's only because they can make money that they have all this power. They literally have the money machines. They, they have the money machines. They can print it. They can do whatever they want to do. Why in the world does the American government borrow money from the banks when they have the ability to create it themselves without borrowing it and paying interest on it. Why? And nobody can answer that question. Not one politician ever raises that. Why does the American government borrow money when they can create it without paying interest? Well, we did create it At, up until uh, 1913. And, and so people say, well, because if the American government does it, it'll create inflation. That's the answer. I say, well, let's look at it. The American government has the Federal Reserve do it, which creates the same inflation as if they did it. But also with the inflation, now you're getting massive debt. So with the Federal Reserve, you have inflation and debt. Now, if the American government made the money, backed by gold, which limited the amount they could make, you wouldn't have debt and you wouldn't have inflation. Uh, early 1800 to 1913, there was no inflation other than during the Civil War. You know, when Lincoln was, was well, printing Well, I'm talking about it. how much a dollar was worth. And I know a dollar never changed. A dollar, there was no inflation in that whole hundred years. 
there was no inflation. People knew what the money was worth. They could retire. They knew what it would cost them to live their lives out. There was no problem. It was only since 1913 when the Fed came in that we created massive inflation and massive debt. So then what you said earlier, then there really wasn't inflation. There was no inflation. So, so you don't get inflation when the government issues the money, at least in the U.S. history. Well, no, not, not, not if it's backed by gold. Today, they've, they've planned inflation. Now you have two parents working. Uh, they, can't, they can't afford to, take, to, to pay for their family anymore. The kids are going to state-run schools now. The kids are being indoctrinated how to think. They're being given Ritalin. They're being given all these drugs. The whole country's being dumbed down. It's all because of the Federal Reserve System. And the Federal Reserve System and these bankers are responsible for the demise of America. And if we ever want to win this battle, you must shut down the Federal Reserve System. And we must shut down these bankers and restore sound money to this country. I, I see people like Bill O'Reilly on television, right? And I see how much they control the media. Like there's this girl on Bill O'Reilly the other night uh, from an organization saying the world can't wait. And she, this girl was spot on. Everything she was saying was the truth. And all Bill O'Reilly could do was call her a lunatic. He couldn't challenge the facts. They, they just call people names. They can't, and, and until we just find that, look, this world, we're heading into a world of danger, possible nuclear wars, you know, because the banking industry is trying to take over the world. 9-11 is the beginning of the war on terror. That war on terror is leading us into Iraq, which is the next lie. So you had the lie of 9-11, how that happened. No, nobody knows how Building 7 came down. Okay, we know 9-11 was a fraud. The American people don't know it, but more and more of them are believing it. Okay? So that was the first lie. Besides the inception, I'm not going back to the inception of the Federal Reserve, that original lie. But 9-11 was the first lie in this present state we're in. 9-11 is the kickoff of the war against the American people and the people of the world. 9-11 was a phony. It's a fraud. It didn't happen the way they told us it happened. Now, because of 9-11, we then had the authority to go into Afghanistan and Iraq. Iraq didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Okay, so that was the next lie. Now they're talking about going into Iran. Now how would you feel if you were Iran and you had this big powerful country, America, go into your next door neighbor, take over, take over their oil fields, right? Wouldn't you be worried that what they were gonna do to you? Of course you're gonna be worried. But, uh, but the people of America don't think about it from Iran's point of view. They think about it from our point of view. So now we're gonna send more troops into Iraq and keep building up because they want Iraq and the Middle East to become part of the new world order. And Iraq was using, uh, Saddam wanted to start using euros instead of dollars, right? He was messing up their, their whole consumption. Iranist wants to start using euros instead of dollars. They are, they have. Okay, so I'm saying what they're trying to do is preserve their power. And one lie leads to the next lie, leads to the next lie. And until you get to the root cause of 9-11, which is supposedly the war on terror, we'll never solve our problems here. It's just one thing leading to the other. And it's always with the event, with, it's always in the point of taking over more countries, more, more dominance, 
You know, making sure the American dollar, making sure the G8 stays in control of everything. And what they want to do is to control the American people, control the people of the world, put RFID chips in everybody, so everybody's a slave to these central banks. Did you ever talk to Nick Rockefeller after he told you all this and then 9-11 took place? No. 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 But he did, I told you, he told me that you're going to see men running around caves looking for Osama bin Laden. You know, you're going to see men looking for, you know, these guys. And they're going to be, you know. They told you it was all going to be bull. It's a phony. The whole thing is a fake. It's a fraud. Was he laughing or was he just coldly saying this? No, it's more laughing. Cynical. Laughing. You know, it's more like, look how stupid everybody is. Look how stupid everybody We can do whatever we want to do. There's no question we're living in a world where uh, uh, the American citizen is no longer a free individual human being to do the things that they wish to do. You know, we're, we're slaves, and, and, and it's getting worse. What do we got to do to bring these people down? Got you, in my opinion, uh, you must shut down the Federal Reserve System. And I think that um, there has to be an uprising. There has to be an uprising. People have to stand up. I, I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone, Alex. And uh, we need to get a majority of people, not a majority of people, but a... Uh, was 5% won the war against the British, a highly motivated group. But I agree, people have got to get angry first. I mean, not just, yeah, yeah, we know it's corrupt and that lack of discipline. we got to get pissed. People don't seem to have the courage to do what they have to do, you know? I want to say you've got a lot of courage. Well, thank you. You know, I don't know if I have a lot of courage. I just have well, a... I want to thank you for what you're doing for my family. Oh, I have a sense of conscience and I have a sense of justice. Look... We're dealing with complete evil. We're dealing with complete evil. And until the American people wake up and say, we don't want this evil in our country anymore, and we want to come back to a country of decency and goodness and integrity and honor, you know, we're going down that road. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people to stand up and say, we don't want to live in this kind of a world anymore. You know, I believe we should pull all our troops out of Iraq. I believe we should leave other countries alone, let other countries live their lives the way they choose to. You know, stop trying to spread democracy around the world, which is the worst form of government there is anyway. Restore our, restore our republic to what it's supposed to be and, and, and go back to what the founding fathers gave us. Just listen to the words that Rousseau used to describe the people behind the Federal Reserve. Evil people, evil agenda. Words that then, in 2007, were rare to hear, but today are repeated hundreds, if not thousands of times per day over social media and honest news sources in referring to our governments worldwide. Now, I thought it very important that this interview be put on the record and brought to our attention in part because of its significance and credibility, and also in part because I know that on some upcoming broadcasts of this show, we're going to have to visit some very dark places, places that, to be understood, require an understanding of the nature of evil people, the real psychos who are controlling our governments. So if there's a lesson to be learned from today's discussions, it is this. Just follow the money down the psychopath and you'll soon arrive at that place where you'll own nothing and be happy. Now in closing, and to be fair, let's be careful not to blame all of the evil and corruption only on the politicians and their cronies. After all, there are representatives, right? 
If people in Western democracies are wondering why they have such horrible, corrupt, and dishonest politicians running their governments, they have merely to look in the mirror and reflect. Just what am I asking these politicians to do on my behalf? Well, to lie, steal, and transfer money that was earned by some to others who did not earn it. You want a welfare state? Then what you'll get is a state of welfare and poverty. You know, that place where you'll own nothing and be happy. We literally ask our politicians to engage in criminal actions and then expect them to continue to be honest. And that's why we have so many crony politicians and so much crony politics. When governments openly protect favored businesses, not from crime or fraud or dishonesty, but from competition. And this has been most of the world for most of humanity's history. The only thing a politician has in his arsenal is literally the gun of government. He's a hired hitman, which is why comparisons to organized crime are so easy to make. When it comes to money, wealth, and the economy, all governments can do is rob Peter to pay Paul, which is still robbery, theft, you know, in a society that not only has drafted laws against stealing, but has a long-established tradition that in the Ten Commandments reads, Thou shalt not steal which has now been rewritten to say, unless a democratic majority approves, as Rousseau might have put it. In the battle for individual rights, we have to be cognizant of the fact that a right is an abstract human concept that does not exist as some concrete in nature. When that concept is written into law, then the concept of rights becomes a legal one. But this does not mean that any rights exist. Unless the courts acknowledge and protect such rights, and unless the police and others charged with the legal administration of force actually enforce rights violations, those rights do not exist. And that's where we are today, and have been for the better part of a century or more. We've allowed our myths and narratives about democracy, quote-unquote, tyranny of the majority, frame our views of the world in which we lived, believing that those mythical versions of democracy somehow constituted freedom. So as paradoxical as this may sound, yes, Virginia, natural rights do exist, but there are no natural rights in nature, and nothing is naturally right. <laughs> Except, of course, for our weekly broadcasts of Just Right. So naturally, we expect you to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. Today you can't be elected without a political machine behind you. And unfortunately, I don't have one. Oh, yes, you do, dear. Uncle Fester. There! Your old friend, Wizzo. The best machine a man can have behind him. <laughs> Come along, dear. Say something to Wizzo, darling. All right, here's a political question. How did a nincompoop like Henson ever get elected in the first place? Oh, that's an easy one. Mayor Henson got elected 
by conniving, wheeling and dealing, and lots of razzle-dazzle. I wish the whole world could have heard that. It will, Gomez, it will. And now, Wizzo, how can a fine, upstanding citizen like Gomez Adams defeat Mayor Henson? Standing citizen like Gomez Adams can defeat Mayor Henson by even more conniving, wheeling, dealing, and razzle dazzle. I'm afraid there's still a few bugs left in Wizzo. Oh!